Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. A chaotic debate between U.S. President Donald Trump and his Democratic rival Joe Biden. The two met in Cleveland for the first of their three debates ahead of the November 3 election, where Trump is seeking a second term in office. Trump repeatedly interrupted Biden, and even the moderator, Fox News host Chris Wallace. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court. Whatever position I take on that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how strongly you feel. Let Vote now. Make sure you, in fact, let people know your senator. I'm not going to answer the question because because the question is the question is the question left. Will you shut up, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? right. Gentlemen, this is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, oh, no, no. Give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. Trump and Biden also sparred over the future of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Biden wants to expand the law to provide a public option that people could buy into. But Trump says the Democrats would force Biden to do their bidding and abolish private health insurance. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just agree. want to make sure. Joe, you're the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, not first in your class. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, surprised. you, you picked the ahead, wrong Joe. guy, oh, the wrong oh, night oh. at the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders to the matter. Healthcare is a hot-button issue in the U.S., which is dealing with the worst coronavirus outbreak in the world. More than 200,000 people in the U.S. have died, while millions of Americans are out of work due to the pandemic. U.S. intelligence reports warn domestic extremists pose a threat to the presidential election in November. Let's get details on this report. U.S. security officials are warning that violent domestic extremists pose a threat to the presidential election next month amid what one official called a witch's brew of rising political tensions, civil unrest, and foreign disinformation campaigns. FBI and Department of Homeland Security memos say threats by domestic extremists with varying ideologies to election-related targets will likely increase in the run-up to the November 3rd election. Those warnings so far have largely remained internal, but New Jersey's Homeland Security Office took the unusual step of publicly highlighting the threat in a little-noticed report on its website last week, saying, quote, you have this witch's brew that really hasn't happened in America's history. The report outlines three possible scenarios for the November election, a quick result, a protracted process where determining a winner takes months, and a legal battle that eventually goes to the Supreme Court. The assessment concludes that each of the scenarios could lead to extremist violence with the possibility of deadly confrontations. In recent months, some protests over racial injustice and police brutality have led to violent confrontations, including between extremist factions from the left and right. The recent clashes come amid a global health crisis, high unemployment and a contentious presidential election, 
during which President Donald Trump has repeatedly linked mail-in ballots to voter fraud without providing evidence. So far, Trump and his top officials have not publicly highlighted any threat by violent extremist groups to the election. The Trump officials have pointed the finger at left-wing activists and Antifa during protests over the summer. But federal court records provide little evidence showing those arrested for violence had affiliations to far-left groups. Last week, the top two officials at the DHS acknowledged in congressional hearings, however, that white supremacists have posed the most lethal domestic threat to the United States in recent years. Here at home, the power struggle in the Philippines' House of Representatives has been resolved, or has it? See, news broke out on Tuesday night that President Rodrigo Duterte intervened in the fight for speaker between incumbent Alan Peter Cayetano and Marinduque Representative Lord Alan Velasco. There has been no official word on the outcome of that meeting, but a source from Velasco's camp says he will take over as speaker on October 14th, with President Duterte deciding to enforce the term-sharing deal he brokered between the two last year. Deputy Speaker Elrey Villafuerte confirms this, but says the turnover date is still not clear. Villafuerte also saying if it were up to them, lawmakers don't want a leadership change. The president expressed his desire uh, to honor the term sharing. We all agreed. Speaker Alan clearly said, sir, I will follow you. If you want me to resign, I will resign any day. I clearly said that, uh, Mr. President, I will respect you, we will follow you, uh, whatever you want, because if it's an agreement, we'll follow. However, we appeal if you can also listen to what it's in our hearts and minds. We said that we are for speaker. Uh, we repleted appeal that we cannot change the commanding general of the house at, in the middle of a uh, war of, uh, against COVID. Oriental Mendoro Representative Doy Lechon meanwhile revealed some of Cayetano's supporters criticized Velasco in front of the president. Kahit gusto nilang sundin ang Ang, ang wish ng Pangulo at ang uh, gentleman's agreement ay si Kong uh, Lord daw ay uh, nagbetray no? uh, umbaga nagtaksil dahil uh, may mga pudita raw wala raw ginawa ang ating uh, si Kong Lord Velasco The House Minority Bloc will support a change in leadership at the lower house. That's despite House Minority Leader Benvenido Abante signing the manifesto in support of Speaker Cayetano's continued leadership until the end of the 18th Congress. Abante says he only signed the manifesto because the minority bloc felt it would not be prudent to install a new speaker at this time. In this pandemic, there are two things, no? pandemic and the budget deliberation. We do not want to rock the boat in the middle of the ocean. So we feel that uh, if there's any if there's any change of leadership right now, it would not be appropriate. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, Speaker Alan Peter did a good job as speaker. And siguro tapusin na muna yung uh, budget deliberation. Pagkatapos yung budget deliberation, then uh, let's go to the political intramurals. Malakanyang clarifies it has no intention of shutting down Facebook here in the Philippines. The presidential spokesperson, Harry Roque, said the president uh, only wanted to talk with officials of the social media giant, whom he criticized for taking down advocacy pages of the military and police. 
the move by Facebook also earned the ire of some, pres some of President Duterte's allies in Congress, with House Speaker Alan Peter Caetano saying they will look into whether the action was detrimental to freedom of expression. For award-winning uh, journalist Sheila Coronel, however, shutting down Facebook in the country may backfire on the Duterte administration, specifically in the 2022 elections. The government has all the weapons in its arsenal. It has a troll army, it has disinformation armies, it has propaganda, it has fake accounts on Facebook. Public opinion is shifting, as it usually does in the course of a presidency. You know, no presidencies in history, at least in recent Philippines, not since 1986, since surveys have been taken. No presidency has managed to be pop popular up to the end. But I think at the same time, I think President, uh, President Duterte still has a hold in the popular imagination, and we should not take that lightly. The Philippine government has enough money to pay off its debts. That assurance coming from Philippine Central Bank Governor Benjamin Diokno. Diokno cites the strong peso, which he says is currently outperforming the dollar. Diokno adds the Philippines now keeping close to 100 U.S. billion dollars in gross international reserves. This pronouncement comes as some lawmakers raise concern the national debt could swell to more than 13 trillion pesos in 2022 due to government's borrowing for its COVID-19 response. Kakaroon tayo ng crisis. Nauubusan tayo ng tulyar sa pagbabayad natin sa utang. Una-una, nagdi-devalue kasi yung nagdi-depreciate yung, yung uh, peso natin. Iba itong crisis na ito. Although it's unprecedented, napakaganda ng, uh, ng uh, ekonomiya natin na to the extent na napakadami nating dolyar ngayon hindi nagde-depreciate in fact nag-appreciate in fact it is uh, the strongest one of the in fact second to uh, strongest currency in the world no? and number one in Asia The Rizal Commercial Banking Corporation, or RCBC, will continue waiving fees for online fund transfers until December 31. The bank says it extended the free peso net and Instapay transactions until the end of the year to offer more relief for Filipinos amid the pandemic. RCBC also encourages its clients to do their banking transactions at home to reduce their risk of exposure to COVID-19. Philippine banks first waived the fees for online fund transfers last March during the onset of the coronavirus lockdown in the country. But some of them, along with other e-money operators, have announced they will already resume charging fees for select money transfers by October 1st. After more than six months, provincial buses allowed to return to the streets of Metro Manila. However, there were no buses at the Araneta Bus Center in Cubao, Quezon City. The terminal as well as ticket booths are still closed. The management said they still need to accomplish some requirements before they can open the terminal. Operations of provincial buses were halted back in March when the national government announced a lockdown in Luzon to curb the spread of COVID-19. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Play back the interviews too on ANC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone, as you keep it here on the news channel.
The biggest news, the most compelling stories, and issues that matter to you. Top Story, Monday to Saturday at 5 p.m. here on ANC. My show on ANC, it's about going places, interviewing interesting people. So, Peter, Martin, hey, George Martin. Young. <laughs> I'm off. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> We'll never filter conversations. I want to see how you make the burgers, how you fry the fries. Come in. All right, come on. No, 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 no. Maybe that too, but no. <laughs> we'll try new things together. Hi, you're not very hungry today. Don't you know my songs? Foggy, ba. You and driver down. Yeah. Okay.